Hi, my name is Paul Podolsky, and I am the host of Things I Didn't Learn in School, about many of the important lessons that we pick up after our formal education is over and turn out to be just as important. Enjoy. My guest today on the very first podcast is my daughter, the subject of Raising a Thief. So welcome. Wonderful to see you. Hello, father. Um, (laughs) What was it like being a rad kid? It felt really normal. Like everything that I did felt super normal to me. And then especially reading the book, I was like, this is not normal. Like Mm. from your perspective, it was super like, psychotic behavior like who would do that mm-hmm. and it's like reading it, it's like it really was me but as a kid it was so just like black and white like I do this this happens and I was just like this is my life a number of times you told me that you felt broken it's a strong word tell me about what you meant when you were saying that I mean, I think it like now that I think about it, it was like all the time, but I'd like shove it down. Who knows where I'd put it? But especially I remember like being a kid and just going to bed and be like, why is this so difficult for me? And then seeing older brother, seeing him like doing so great in life and just being like, why can't I be like that? He struggled a ton, your yeah, older but it brother. Was, like, nowhere, it was like such black and white struggles. I felt like it was a lot of like schoolwork struggles and stuff with friends struggles and when for me it wasn't like that at all like I was decent at schoolwork like I wasn't terrible at it I just would throw these huge tantrums to get out of it and he would just do it but it'd be hard because you just see like what normal is like all around you and doing normal was not something that you felt you could force yourself to do it just didn't seem possible it's like I'm just wired differently like I can't do it And so when there were interventions, so mom or I sat down and said, hey, this is not okay, or we took away, you know, we gave you punishment, or we gave you a timeout, stuff like that. None of that stuff seemed to work very well. What was that? Do you have any recollection of what it was like on the receiving end? I mean, honestly, I hated it. Like, it might, from the outside, it maybe looked like I was totally fine and everything was great in my life, but I literally hated it. I just had so much anger, but... I felt like giving a reaction would like give you what you wanted in a way. It almost was like, they're targeting me to get a reaction out of me. I know they are. So I'm just going to sit here and act like I don't give a shit about anything kind of deal. And you were willing to do that for a long period of time. Yeah. In other words, if you, if it was days to sort of make your point, you would make your point. I was very stubborn and I still am not going to lie. And uh, one thing I talked about in the book there is that you tend to target mom more than you targeted me yeah was that something that you were aware of when it was going on i felt more because mom is more like a tough love kind of person you know and Mm. she will tell you straight up what's wrong and what's right and whatever and so when i heard that it always felt like i was being targeted and like attacked in a way and it probably wasn't it was just for some reason my brain was like you're getting attacked then when you would talk to me it felt more like you were on my team in a way Even though I wasn't doing something right, you were much more understanding, I guess. It didn't sound like you're being like, you're a terrible child, more like you have difficulties and we can try to fix them. I don't know. That's how I thought about it. And still to this day, sometimes I'm just like, mom comes at me hard. And that's like scary because I don't, I just get defensive when I like that kind of stuff happens. And yeah. 
how has your perspective changed now that you're 20 on a lot of the things that are described in the book compared to what you were thinking at the time? A lot of parents are always wondering, how do rad kids think? Of course, all kids are different and you can't put one thing on rad, but you were a kid who was going through it. What do things look like now to you? I mean, I think the main thing that I had to do was I learned from hitting rock bottom. Like as hard as that is, like I think my family like sheltered me a lot because I was super unsafe. But I think because of how much I was sheltered, I never really got to learn from like like really getting in trouble or like people can be like going to treatment was like going to in trouble. But for me, it wasn't like I liked it, which is like kind of bad. And I get that. But it was somewhere that like I was able to be around kids my age because at home I wasn't able to do that because I was a little demon. I think it's like I definitely had to learn from hitting rock bottom. Like I didn't really make the life changes that I needed to make until I was struggling with like homelessness and struggling with addiction and struggling with all that kind of stuff to just be able to be like, wow, this is really not okay. And then make the changes. Part of what I hear you saying is that the residential treatments you were in kept you safe. Yeah. But they also impeded your ability to deal with your stuff, to learn. Yeah. And that basically taking away those controls is what you feel like led you to learn. Yes. But the things that you had to go through were pretty scary. I don't know if you want to talk so about it. Like what were some of the what were some of the difficult things that you encountered once the controls were taken off? The most simple one is just high school in general. Like it wasn't a sheltered classroom. Like it wasn't anything like that. And I would just turn into like an introvert, especially during class. It was also just when I got out of treatment, it was right after I had to find a place to live super fast. I'd always think in my head like, oh someone will save me, someone will help me, someone will do something. And it's like, I just kept waiting until literally the day before I was kicked out to like figure something out. And I figured something out, thank God. But, and it was like addiction, same thing. It's like, what, 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 what were you addicted to? Mostly just like weed and nicotine. Mm-hmm. I mean, drinking was never just, it was like never, I was never like an alcoholic type person where I drank until I died. But it was like, I was just like a very party minded person, which like was really distracting from everything. And then also part of the rock bottom thing was the criminal justice stuff. What happened there just for listeners? I mean, like I'm in the court system, which is already like a lot of anxiety. I had a charge regarding credit card fraud. I'm not going to go into detail about it, but it was just a time in my life where I was super low. Like there was no other way of handling things. Then something you said, something shifted. So that's a, that's two years of pretty intense stuff between the, shock of school and then finding a place to live and then uh, drugs and the alcohol and then getting involved in the um, criminal justice system. But at some point you said something began to shift inside of you a little bit. I don't know if it was ever, I mean, the addiction thing, it was definitely, it was like that one day I woke up and I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like hmm. that did actually happen to me. And then Everything else was honestly pretty gradual and it just got to like my last straw of being like, I can't do this anymore or just like feeling so sad, like where my life was and just being like, I need to figure something out. But that's literally how I've done a lot of my like growing is just like doing something for so long until it's literally like disgusting to me and then I have to change it, which is like probably not the best way to live. I think I'm doing better at it now, but for a while, like especially when I got at treatment, it was like that for a while. So there's a number of uh, families that really are at their wits' end with rad kids. They've tried discipline, discipline doesn't work. 
the kids act out in various different ways. Some of them are violent, some of them steal, some of them lie, but it creates a lot of heartache at home. So if you were sort of trying to help those families, what would you say to the parents and what would you say to the kids? I'd probably tell the parents that it's not ever something you should give up on. I don't think it's anybody's fault. I think it was just like a subconscious thing. During the few years you guys weren't in my life, I kind of went down a deep end. I don't even know. It didn't have anything like to do like parallel to you not being in my life and me where my life is. But I think it was just my subconscious mind being like, wow, I have nobody to even like look up to or nobody to be like, oh, that's a good job. Like, what's the point of even trying, you know? This is between so, the ages of 18 and 20. Yeah. One message you're saying is for the parents not to give up. I get that. Yeah, and I'm trying to say, like, not being sheltered as much. and But then it's like, I understand that we can be really unsafe sometimes. So it's like, you have to shelter us. What would you say to the kids? As I described the book, stuff with you started happening relatively early on. And then it continued all through the time, you know, that you were in the house. So you'd probably speak to a seven-year-old different than the way you'd speak to a 13-year-old. But how would you talk to a rad kid that is having some version of this at home? I'm trying to think of it as if, like, I was still a little kid and someone my age was going through this and they wanted to go talk to me and what they would say and, like, how I'd react to it. Because I just know if someone came up to me and was like, this is, I know you think it's normal, but it's not. And, like, there's going to be changes that need to be made. As a rad kid already being so stubborn, I'd be like, you don't know anything, bye. And so I'm like stuck because I don't even know what to tell like these kids because as a rad kid, you're just so stubborn and there's nothing that anybody can say. There really isn't anything anybody can say to make anything better. And I know sometimes like I felt so alone sometimes because even though from the outside, it looked like you guys are like obviously such a loving family. From the inside, I always felt like so attacked and just like the burden and like the bad kid or the fuck up, you know, like that was always mm. my brain, how it worked. Now I just had to realize that like I wasn't alone during those times. So if you say to the parents, you need to stick it out and the kids, you're saying nothing is going to work. That's not going to give these families much hope because they're going to be <laughs> like, okay, the solution to this is you turn the kid loose on the street the minute they're of legal age and they're going to drop really, really hard. And hopefully they don't die. And if they don't, then that's the path to recovery. That's tough. That is, but that's like the most truth like I've ever heard. Like actually in any way, shape, and form, that's literally the most truthful thing ever. Wow. I mean, that's probably not what every kid needs, but that's what I needed. Well, sorry, you're speaking from your experience. This is really useful. So a number of people, I think when they read the book, are uncomfortable with putting a kid in residential treatment, with taking them out of their, their home. Do it. I'd say do it. Everyone go to treatment. It's really good. Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> and they say, listen, love ought to be unconditional. You adopted this child. It ought to be unconditional. Look, you're putting these conditions. You're putting them into you know, residential treatment. What are your thoughts on that debate? It's really, first of all, depending on the center you go to, because some of them are not good. And that's when kids can have like a lot of issues coming out of them. I think wilderness was like the best thing that's ever happened. Wilderness was. Yeah, wilderness was like the best thing to ever come out of something. Because it was so, for me, I get comfortable really fast. But wilderness, you can't do that really. And you're forced to like figure out your stuff. And it was negative 25 degrees. Like nobody wants to stay there forever. 
as hard it is for kids and they feel super abandoned because their parents are like, oh, you're a bad kid. We're getting rid of you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know how that's a lot of kids felt. That's how I felt. It's honestly the best thing I would do. Why? I think a lot of the centers, especially Thornhill, um, helped me with a lot of the attachment stuff. In what ways? Can you be a little more specific how? And I'm not trying to, I'm genuinely curious. Like now you're an adult, I'm wondering what it was like for you. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know that it was something that was common. I thought I was like the only demon child in the world. The neighbors and like all of them, they were like doing so good in life. And I was like, why am I so broken? Like I was just like, I'm a broken kid. And Mm -hmm. then going to Thornhill, it was a lot of just seeing that I wasn't alone in that. And like also seeing success stories, like was super inspiring to me. And then it was just also the cause and effect, like the whole take a seat situation where it's just like, you do this wrong, this happens. Like, it was so black and white. There wasn't any wiggle room and the staff there were literally smart and they knew everything. They'd like see me look one way. They'd be like, like, sorry. (laughs) I mean, I think a lot of people can come at like you guys sideways and be like, she was nine years old. How could you do that? Mm. I mean, it was hard. Not going to lie. As a nine-year-old, you're nine. Everything is like scary in this world. But I had to learn and grow up pretty quickly there because I wasn't. There was a lot of older kids that I had to look up to and see how they did their stuff. What do you think is most understood by parents, by clinicians about rad kids, or kids who are basically don't even put a label on it? Kids who are being really difficult to raise by doing all sorts of things. Lying, stealing, manipulations to push people away. What do you think is most misunderstood about these kids? I can't speak of this firsthand, but like if there's a parent that's ever thinking of their kid and like actually being like this kid's broken, mm. like I think that's like one of the most mis like misunderstandings because yeah, we're like uh, our brains are not wired correctly, mm. but I think it's when it, there's negative emotions towards us that's like the worst because then it makes us feel like. We're terrible children. We take that a lot more to heart than I feel like any other kid would. Just because, Mm. like, trauma in the past, that would be the hardest thing is if a parent was thinking that, like, we were just broken or, like, fucked up or anything like that and, like, Mm. made it obvious. Makes sense. And did you – so talk to me a little bit about what it was like for you reading the book. A lot of people have asked me, what does your daughter think? It's the very first thing many people say. And, of course, the book is dedicated to you, and you wrote the last paragraph, so you actually have the last word, but I'm sure it goes much beyond that. So, any thoughts? Well, I think, like, my first thought was, like, it was super embarrassing. Like, I'm not even going to lie. It was something that's, like, this is so weird to, like, have the world know it's, like, my life is just going to be out there for, like, anybody to know about. And then I started, like, also reading it. The second emotion was, like, a lot of shame. I would always feel like, wow, my life would have been so much better if like I wasn't adopted into this family because I believe my parents are like some of the greatest people on this planet. Then I came along this little demon child and kind of like fucked everything up. And then also just like being proud, like as you read it, it's like your dad, that's his story about it. So you can't even really get mad because everything that's in there is true. I mean, obviously there's like little facts like I'll remember differently. And then it'd be like from a different perspective, he can remember completely differently. But it's something I can't really be mad at. It was a lot of like just being proud of my dad for completing something so amazing. Any any questions you'd like to ask me? In your words, like what was it like to like have me around? Like, did you ever feel 
like your life would be better off without like honestly and i won't even be mad because i'd be like that's true that's fair i would do was no, there any no like it was it was a very strange thing and i wouldn't have believed it myself unless i went through it literally that night the moment i adopted to you it was absolutely it was just like i said it was like a tracking beacon when sasha was born i had the exact same thing the night that i adopted you and it's never varied since then always in my mind there was two kids you and your brother and i was always uh tracking where they were so it wasn't it wasn't that at all and i feel like i have learned a ton through the experience i mean that i could write a book out of it is is that type of thing the thing that was so hard is i felt like i was not able to be a father to you in other words these things like teach a kid not to lie you teach a kid to go to school you teach a kid to keep themselves safe and stuff like that it was like fail 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 like those are those are things that a parent is supposed to impart to a child and i failed to do that and i tried to be crazy creative in different ways of teaching you that and i wasn't doing it so you know i talked a lot of the book you know the adventures we would go on like you had that a good experience in the wilderness program I had this belief that if I just took you out of the woods tons or we went surfing or we did skiing or something like that, that that would turn the tide, that there would be such a warm connection that you wouldn't do tricky stuff after that. But it was like, we'd do, we'd have a great trip together and then you'd do something tricky like the next minute. And I was like, I could not figure it out. So I never, ever, ever felt sad that way. Uh, never had any regrets about doing it, which may sound weird to you, but I'm just that was from the moment I adopted you, I had that feeling, and I had so much grief, and that's part of why I wrote the book was to deal with the grief, the loss of that relationship that I had dreamed about, uh, what it was going to be like, and then it wasn't that way. But it was, uh, I had a feeling of trying to do something and failing, and most of the things that I've tried to do in life. I've succeeded at, even though it's taken me a long time. I was not a good student in Russian, but I learned to speak Russian. I'm dyslexic, and it's really hard for me to write a book, but I write a book. So I was like, well, I succeeded this thing too. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong.